0: This is Pod Populi, podcast for the people.
1: Hello and welcome to The Franchise Life. I am your host, Stacey Shannon. Today we're going to dive into a concept with so many positive attributes that it's hard to know where to begin. It's a concept that has raised more than $45 million across 8,000 schools nationwide. So how have they accomplished that, you may ask? Well, it's called fundraising. I know many of you may be cringing right now simply hearing the word fundraising. Certainly, I know I did when my boys would come home from school announcing it was time to fundraise, Mom. But however, I would ask that you hang in there with me because this franchise concept has found a way to streamline the process, unify teams, and make it a win-win for all involved. And this game-changing concept is called Fundraising You. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce today's special guest, Steve Schick from Fundraising You. Welcome, Steve. Hey, Stacy. So nice chatting with you again. I absolutely love this concept, as you know, and I've even been fortunate enough to place a client of mine with the brand. So, to get started, how does Fundraising You bring the fun to school, Steve?
0: You know, this was a big piece of what got me so fascinated with with Fundraising University myself. I am a 24-year franchise veteran, uh, been in your industry for many, many years, and a self-proclaimed franchise junkie. I love how these companies can take a business model and make it replicatable so other people can be successful. I was doing a webinar one day. I met Mike Mahoon, who's the CEO and founder of fundraising university. And I listened to him speak into how they go in and help coaches who, by the way, hate fundraising, how to turn it into an awesome experience, get the the athletes really excited and be able to raise more money in less time with less interference. So, If you talk to a coach about their typical fundraiser, they'll say, well, my last fundraiser was a six to eight week slog, okay? And then you'll say, yes, it was a lot of trouble. I couldn't get the kids to do this and this and so forth. And then I'll say, how much did you raise, coach? What did you do and how much did you raise? And they'll tell us. And then we'll be able to say, with our program, if you allow us to do the heavy lifting, you'll end up with more money in your pocket And we'll be done in a week to 10 days. And that's when the coach usually says, you have my attention. So then we meet with the coaching staff and the coach. And and when they find out that we're going to be doing the heavy lifting and we just need their support, they love us. So now we get to get in front of the athletes and be able to say boys or girls or both. Here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to do it. Here's how long it's going to take. And by the way, you may get to win some money along the way. So we get them competing with each other.
1: Absolutely. So that's, it's truly a win-win situation. So the value proposition of this business is pretty easy to sell. I mean, as you mentioned, coaches, it's not their favorite thing. That's truly not what they're there for. They're there to coach and grow the team and compete. And when fundraising you steps in, they take the burden of the fundraising off of the coaches. So I've noticed, and when I talk to clients, a lot of, I hear a lot about high school sports and one misnomer is it's not just for sports. I mean, when we're talking coaching, it could be for a cheer team, it could be for the band, uh, and certainly sports. But does this concept go beyond high school sports?
0: Absolutely. the The focus that we start out with is generally in high schools. By the way, bands, coaching teams, or um, I'm sorry, um, cheerleading teams, and, and things of that nature, dance are also a big part of our program. High schools are just the low-hanging fruit. When you talk to some of our more seasoned people, what you find out is that not only do they work with the high school, they work with the middle school and the elementary school at the same time. Now, the dynamics in an elementary school is different because the parents are going to be more involved. High school and middle school athletes, they'll usually do all the work you know, to raise the money and compete with each other, and, you know, and life is good. If you really want to have some fun, then you go work with a small university uh, program where they have to go raise money. These are motivated athletes. Cost a lot of money to go to school. They're anxious to get out there, raise money for their program. And our guys tell me that they're some of the best people, the best athletes out there to be working with. I used to be a Pop Warner football coach. I would have loved to know about fundraising university when I was with Pop Warner. Many of the kids that were in that program came from single parent households, and I remember giving one kid money to go buy a good pair of sneakers, good pair of shoes for the thing because they just didn't have it. They they could definitely use a program like this. So fundraising university does not limit the franchisees to who they can work with. That we just use a particular system to be able to get that done.
1: So back in the day, and my kids are now, I have two boys, they're 27 and 29. Back in the day when they were doing fundraising, they would have to go knock on doors. They would carry around a piece of paper. Uh, I would sign my name and write it down and give them a check. What does a typical fundraising event look like with fundraising you?
0: One of the reasons that this works so well is because Fundraising University has truly embraced technology. So think about it this way. What if, when your child was out doing fundraising, you could have just gotten a link texted to you on your phone that you could click on and either donate money to that athletic program or buy product. You could order the product right on the app and have it delivered to your home. So now what happens is it's easier for the athlete to get more people to participate in the fundraiser for their program because they don't have to be the guy next door. It could be grandma who could be two states away buying a box of cookies, getting some popcorn, or just making a donation to that athletic program. That has made a huge difference in our business because it's not only saved our franchisees a lot of time, it's actually increased our profitability significantly because there's no more forms. We've virtually eliminated all the paper.
1: And that is huge. And I think that goes to then why Fundraising University is such an appealing business model. It is a home-based business model. It actually, given the focus around schools today and athletic programs, It has a seasonality to it as well. So if you're somebody that still has a young family and your kids have the summers off, I mean, this does, the peaks are going to be in the fall and the spring, I would imagine.
0: We're going to do a lot at the end of the summer, excuse me, the end of the summer, because that's when the football uh, programs are in camp and that's when they raise the money. So right now is prime time. Mm -hmm. However, when you look at the end of June and through most of July, you're good to go. Take your vacation. Go have some fun. Okay. By the way, December is not a bad time to take some time off either. Mm -hmm. So there are certain times during the course of the year, to your point, Stacy, you were absolutely right, where you're going to be going like crazy and just having a ball and other times where you can kick back and enjoy your family.
1: That's fantastic. So what does a typical day in the life look like for a fundraising new franchisee?
0: You know, it'll start out with the franchisee, and this is really important, having the willingness to go to a school, get out of the car, and go find the coach to talk to. Now, we're talking to the coach for a sport that's coming up. We do the fundraiser before the actual season starts. So all those football programs that we're doing right now all got signed up either a year ago because 93% of the coaches that work with us will sign up again to do it again next year. That's a national average, by the way. Or they got a a fundraising university representative speaking to them last spring and said, hey, can I help you with your fundraiser? That's going to take place at the end of the summer. So when these fundraisers were all done, now we're going to be talking to the coaches that are handling basketball and wrestling. And during the time we're doing basketball and wrestling, we'll be talking to the diamond sport coaches, the softball and the baseball coaches and so forth, soccer, girls' soccer, cheerleading and band, you can do just about any time. Dance, just about any time. You really do pick your vacations because there's always something you can do. There's always people out there you can get to that
1: helpful? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, another thing I've learned about this model is you've already talked about uh, the recurring revenue with the coaches coming back, the retention rate of 93%, which is significantly high. But the other thing is the ease of this business in acquiring new fundraisers. What I've learned is, let's say I'm a franchise owner. I go in and facilitate a fundraiser for the football team. Well, I do a kick-ass job in that fundraiser. I make the coach's job easy. We raise a lot of money for the team. That coach is going to go and share that experience with his colleagues in the school. So this is a very easy business to scale in essence. Would you agree?
0: Yes, it, it, it does start out. And I don't want to color code this too much, but because it is important to find that individual. Um, they don't necessarily have to have a direct selling background because our, cust- our customer, of course, is a coach. And but if they have the willingness to go to the school and they're going to hear some no's, they're going to hear a coach say, well, I've always done it this way. You know, coaches sometimes don't want to get out of their comfort zone either. But to your point, Stacy, we find one coach in that school that will work with us on that program. The next thing we know, they all want to work with us. It's pretty interesting the way that it does grow exponentially. So we, we would expect in the first year, a new franchisee with a moderate effort should be doing 40 to 50 fundraisers at an average of $10,000 per fundraiser. So, that franchisee should have about $500,000 worth of gross revenue uh, in that first year.
1: So, $10,000 on average per fundraiser. So, Mm -hmm. how does that break down? I mean, there's a price for the product. There's certainly the benefit is to raise money for the team. So, how does that break down and how does the franchise owner really make its money?
0: Franchise owner always gets a piece of, of everything that's happening. So if, for example, we do what's called a fund you now program, the athletes text the link to their supporters, the supporters simply click on the link and make a donation. The school gets 70% of that money. We get 30. Now the franchisee has some, you know, processing expenses and so forth to go along with that. I think the bottom line would be this. The, in our item 19, our average uh, franchisee will do in the first year between 20 and 23% UDA. bottom line. So if you take that $500,000 and it's legal for me to talk about this because it's in our item 19, take that $500,000, you know, times those percentages, you can kind of see where, you know, a person should land. And by the way, I I, want to mention, that's a moderate effort. We uh, when I talk to you to franchise candidates, I always tell them our mission is to have your business at a million dollars in revenue between year three and year five. We actually have a franchisee. We had one that hit nine hundred thousand in his first year and we had another one who's he's going to we got our fingers crossed. I think he's going to hit seven figures in year one. Yeah. But it's not – I mean, those guys are obviously superstars, but we have many people that have hit that, hit that million-dollar mark, lots of them. Our average last year in our FDD was $784,000. That was the average franchise.
1: That's awesome. And, and there are going to be outliers. You told, you know, we don't want to, as you said, sugarcoat anything. I mean, I think what – this is bringing to light is the scalability of the business model. I mean, you did mention a couple superstars that are in the system, but the scalability within the territory and the recurring revenue model is is incredible. And it's something that appeals to a lot of individuals. So, Fundraising University was established in 2009. You first started franchising in 2019. You have over 70 territories throughout the nation today. You lived through COVID. So, you know, recession resistance is a very important attribute to a lot of individuals when they're considering franchise investment. So can you take a couple minutes and share how Fundraising University fared during the pandemic?
0: There's no question that we saw a drop in business because at the very beginning of the pandemic, you know, when everything closed, so did the schools. We couldn't get into the schools. That's where our Fund You Now donation program came from. Mike LeHoon scrambled, put this together so that we could have a license agreement that would allow the athletes, because the the athletic program still needed money, but the kids couldn't get in front of anybody. So if they can't go door-to-door selling popcorn or cookie dough or something like that, what do you do? You text a link, you follow that up with a phone call, and you get the donations. By the time we were halfway through covid we had actually surpassed the year we had before that. It just came back around that quickly once we got that part started. So now it's just, you know, it's just no big deal. A lot of the coaches really like the Fund You Now program, um, but we do a lot of the traditional ones as well. So, yes, we did take a drop during COVID at the very beginning, but we we even updated our N19 uh, to show – before COVID, during COVID, and after COVID, and we actually did more at the end of the COVID era. If we we're if we're there, <laughs> that we did before you know before COVID started.
1: Well, and that, that was means- a great question. Yeah, and I mean because it is it's I mean we you turn on the news today we hear about the recession so that gives people pause when looking at investment so. You know, the investment level of Fundraising University is one that I would say is more palatable for individuals because, you know, especially individuals that are risk adverse. Right. So Mm -hmm. can you just go over briefly what the investment level is and what attributes you really are looking for in your franchisees?
0: You know, Let's start with the numbers. I want to answer your question directly. Um, our item seven, which is the initial estimated investment, is going to run between seventy seven and eighty four thousand dollars. A lot of that's going to depend on how many clinic sponsorships that they do and so on. Eighty thousand dollars is basically what it what it looks like. Now, you've known me for a while. I'm a business coach. I stood up in front of all of our franchisees at the last conference and reminded them that on that $80,000 business, $80,000 investment, within three to five years, if they have a million dollar business and they've got 22, 23% fall into the bottom line, think about that for just a minute. Take that bottom line number and triple it because that's what your business is worth if you go to sell it. And then I said, guys, Would you rather invest in the stock market or would you rather rather invest in yourself? We have people that are actually doing that. One of the reasons that I stay here is because of I've not seen in 20-some years an opportunity that ramps up faster. They're literally profitable on their first fundraising, which should happen literally within weeks, if not a month or two, from when they get out of training. So there just is so little downside to the, to, for the right person. And that was, so let's talk about the right person. The direct selling background is, is great. And I've talked to people like yourself. You know, this is a very attractive model for people that were coaches, former athletes, uh, teachers, you know, that are used to living in that environment, and that's fine. You give me somebody with a direct sales background, pharmaceutical sales, Anybody like that who's used to walking in and asking for somebody, and I'll take that person all day long because that's the person that's going to thrive in this environment. Now, the other key to success is they need to be relational. One of the common denominators of our most successful franchisees is they don't think about what they earn. They know that the fees that we earn, although this can be a lucrative business, The fees are a byproduct of what we do, not the focus. They care about the kids. They care about the coaching programs. They're talking to these kids about the new uniforms they're going to get, the equipment, the opportunity to travel, um, you know, and all the other things, the band instruments that they can get. That's what they're saying to the kids, and that's what the kids are going to be focused on. They don't care how much we make or how much the program brings in. They care about what's in it for them. And, of course, the coaches are promoting that, So it'll generally work out pretty well. Now, you know, because you've been in the business for a while, this person also needs to be coachable. I always said the dichotomy of franchising is we couldn't be having the conversation with a candidate had they not been successful with something else. What they need to do is give up a little bit of their old winning formula in order to adopt a new winning strategy. The strategy is in fact the franchise system that they're embracing. If they embrace the system and they immerse themselves in that training, three three months, four months down the road, they own it. They know how to do it. They're off to the races. They've got a 10 year agreement. They're building a great business. And that's that's the way it works. Obviously they need to be a little competitive. They're dealing with coaches and athletes. Um, they need to be have some empathy for those kids. That's a big deal. And if they're going to have a million-dollar business, that's 100 fundraisers. So they need to be organized. They need to know where they're going every day.
1: So you mentioned training, and Mike Mahoon, the founder of Fundraising University, he's a legend in and of himself. But he has also gone the extra step, I believe, with – his staff. And so that leads me to uh, Brian Kane, who is a mental performance mastery coach that Mike has actually secured to be on the staff of Fundraising University and help facilitate the training and be there as a support for the franchisees. So can you share a little bit more about Brian's role and the value he adds to the system?
0: One of the things that's difficult for people coming out of corporate America is seeing themselves as entrepreneurs. Brian's mission is to reinforce the training that we do on what's called action selling. This is how you get in front of the coach, and this is the conversation you want to have. And there are steps to that. So Brian is constantly reinforcing that. We have a 24-year veteran in the fundraising industry who's teaching these guys how to do this. And then Brian will be reinforcing those things along with also doing podcasts for us um, every month with his own mental performance business where he brings in elite coaches and athletes from all over the country so that other coaches can join. I've been on podcasts, Stacey, with Brian where there have been 200 people. Because these coaches from around the country will be invited by our franchisees. Franchisee may not even have met this person, but they've heard of Brian. And they'll come. And Brian, of course, is sitting there saying this podcast is sponsored by Fundraising University. Pretty cool stuff.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: yeah, yeah Sarah, Brian's awesome. He's
1: awesome. It is very cool. And, and I had the privilege of listening in on some of those sessions as well, uh, mm-hmm. my relationship with Fundraising University. Um, so all great information. Uh, we've talked a lot about fundraising. We've talked a lot about the value of this model, uh, you know, what kind of individual will thrive in this system. But at the end of the day, what we're doing is bringing a value to the team. So my last question for you is, what is the difference that fundraising university makes? Where are the monies utilized with the schools and these teams when uh, a fundraiser for any specific sport has completed? How do they utilize the monies?
0: Well, most of the time the money is going to go to uniforms, equipment, and, you know, and things of that nature. Um, it's really up to the coach. You know, we don't really deal too much with athletic directors with, we don't have to deal with, um, booster clubs and things of that nature. We want to work directly with that coach because that coach knows what that program needs. And I'm glad to ask the question because part of our interview with that coach is tell us what you need. What are you working for? And we can literally talk to the coach about how much money we could raise based on the number of students that they have and the number of student athletes that they have in the program. So we have videos that I would be showing to your franchise candidates that will have us talking about raising over $200 per athlete in the coach's pocket between us girls. The number right now is $274. Is our average right now? Okay, so far this uh, so far this year, and it's just trending farther and further up. We've had some price adjustments and the use of technology and some other things that have helped us. We expect that to be. We're heading towards five hundred dollars a student. That's our mission, and we're heading towards a much larger EBITA than I'm allowed to talk about today. Okay, because I have to stick to the FTD stuff, but. All those things are happening right now. And, and I expect if we had this conversation again a year from now, the numbers would be you know, significantly better just because of the, the investments that, that Mike's making in technology and the training. And, and I got to go back and say something about the training. Brian Kane is a very good piece of that training. We have a six month playbook where every franchisee gets trained by people that have all operated million dollar businesses all of them there's no rookies on the training staff there's no support people that just got hired out of college from 25 or thirty thousand dollars. these this is world-class training i'm i'm telling you I, it's another reason why i get to feel good about being here even though i'm old
1: We already hit earlier on that you are not old. I mean, the people listening to that podcast weren't privileged to that conversation, but... Oh, that's
0: right. Okay.
1: (laughs) All right, folks. Well, Steve, thank you so much for joining me today. It's always a pleasure talking with you. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier on... Fundraising University has over 72 territories sold throughout the United States, but there are a lot of territories available nationwide still. If you are interested in learning more about Fundraising University, please feel free to reach out to me at info at thefranchiselifeshow.org. Thanks again, Steve.